This is Untapped Potential for today, Tuesday, September the 6th, and I am your host, Simone Matthew. It is great to be back with you for another episode of Untapped Potential, which is a program where we get together every Tuesday to get energized and powered up for the week ahead and to remind ourselves of the important life goals that we ought to be working on, those goals that we set out in the beginning of the year or somewhere along the way that we decided was important to moving our lives forward. So this is the program where we get together every Tuesday to remind ourselves of those important life goals and to work on, on just how we can be consistent with working towards those goals. So again, I am Simone Matthew, and it is great to be back with you here on TDN Radio for another episode of Untapped Potential as we get energized for the week ahead. And as always, we like to start the week off on a note of gratitude. So what are you grateful for today? What are you grateful for this week? As always, if you opened your eyes this morning, you woke up, there is already something to be grateful for. But for us in Dominica, I think we are especially grateful because we are now in September and fingers crossed, toes crossed, saying a prayer to the Almighty, we have not seen any significant hurricanes in Dominica and the Caribbean region. So we are truly grateful for that because the end of August into September is the height of the hurricane season. So we are grateful that we have been spared so far and we continue to pray that we will see the end of September without any significant weather system in Dominica, the Caribbean region, and even here in the U.S., because as you know, uh, places like Louisiana have been impacted, Louisiana and Houston have been impacted in recent times with major hurricanes. So again, just starting the week off on a note of gratitude. So as always, we have a great uh, discussion, a great interview for you this evening, some good music, as well as our tip of the week and our featured video over at pushpast10.com. So as we saw recently, unfortunately, yet another bank 
will be leaving the shores of Dominica come January 2023. So uh, First Caribbean Bank have unfortunately decided that they will no longer continue operations in Dominica. And that just reminded me of an important discussion that we had recently with some of our banking and financial experts um, in Dominica on just what has happened to all the international banks that used to be in Dominica. So it is a point of concern when all the international banks have started to leave your shores. And at this point, we have no international banks in Dominica and some of the Caribbean islands. So we had a discussion on the implications of these banks leaving the Caribbean region. So I thought I would bring you that discussion right here on untapped potential. So again, we had that discussion with Dr. Thompson Fontaine, with Mr. Um, Julius Corbett, as well as Mr. Louis Robinson, all financial economic banking experts out of Dominica. So I wanted to bring you that interview that discussion so we can just get a sense of the implications for many of us as well as for the financial sector the business sector of these banks living our shores and then of course stay tuned for after the interview for our tip of the week as well as the rest of the program and i always like to remind our audience that uh what you will hear is a portion of the programs our programs are recorded via uh, facebook and youtube live so you will hear a portion of the interview and then i will be sure to post the entire interview on my website pushpast10.com p-u-s-h-p-a-s-t one zero dot com so you can hear and and view the entire interview and entire discussion of what we talked about on that particular day. But we always like to start the week off, start the program off with a song just to get us inspired and to get us uh, motivated for the week ahead. So let us see what song we will choose for today. I think I'm going to go with Alane, my all-time favorite uh, female dancehall reggae um, artist. And this one is a song entitled You Give Me Hope. You Give Me Hope by Alane. And we want to just remember to have hope despite the challenges that we face along the way. Despite the challenges our island home of Dominica continues to face. So again, this one is entitled You Give Me Hope by Alain. So enjoy this song and then stay tuned for our interview on the effects of the international banks uh, exiting
no longer pursuing the purchase of the first Caribbean international bank. And we're asking some important questions. Should we be concerned about this? Should we be concerned about the departure of all the international banks in Dominica and the Caribbean? And what are the implications which come with this topic? And we're happy that Mr. Ronald Lander has joined us on this discussion. Um, Ronald, if you can give us a quick introduction of who you are, especially as it relates to the banking area. Um, thank you for being with us this evening. Hello, good night, good night, everybody. Hi. It's a pleasure to be on tonight with some distinguished comrades. Um, I went to school together with some Prefontaine okay. at the University of West Indies, where we did our first degree. Uh, he focused on economics while I did economics and accounting. When I returned home after doing my first degree, I was involved in the monetary section of the Ministry of Finance, where I supervised the banking sector. I had a very good experience with Mr. Alec Lazar, which I'll not speak about at this point in time. At another time, I'll speak about it. Then I went out and did a master's degree uh, at Concordia University in Moria, Canada. And when I returned, I worked at the NDC for a while. Then I spent a significant portion of time at the Financial Intelligence Unit that was involved with the banking sector pertaining to money laundering and financing of terrorism. I'm very happy to be on tonight, and I, I trust that I can add value to the discussion. Yes, yes, and I'm looking forward to your contribution as well as the contribution of the entire panel. So let's get the conversation started. Uh, you know, as we get started, I believe it's important for us to provide our audience with just a general overview of banking in general. So I'm just going to throw the question out there and anyone can feel free to respond. Just kind of give us a general idea with regards to, you know, for example, how does a local bank operate? And then let's kind of make the connection to the Caribbean region and then um, internationally. So let us talk about the banking system in general. Um, in oh, Mr. Robinson, are you on? Let's try again. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Yes, as I was saying, um, in, in Dominica, in particular, it would seem as though <clears throat> the powers that be do not understand the significance of the financial services sector to the whole economic development of the country. If you, if you equate it with a car, you have a beautiful Mercedes, a BMW, whatever, and you have it in your garage, but you don't have petrol to put in it. It's just a piece of junk. <clears throat> it can't go anywhere. And so if you have your financial services sector, which in effect is like the heartbeat of your economy, because you do trade, you, you must finance it. You want to do construction, you have to finance it. You want to go into any business, you have to have money, you have to have capital, and these things come to the bank. You make your savings through the bank, and in a way, the banks do create some form of money through what we call the multi multiplier effect. For example, I deposit 
FBI deposits a thousand dollars in the bank. That thousand dollars, the bank decides to lend, let us say, eighty percent of it. So they lend eighty percent to one person. The person uses it to <coughs> do something, buy good services, whatever. And the person who receives that eighty percent, which is like eight hundred dollars. They deposit it in a bank because it pays someone to deposit it back in the bank. And then somebody borrows 80% of that $800, gets some services, and then deposits it in the bank. He deposits the, the, that $800. Somebody borrows 10% um, of it, 90% of it and so on and so forth, it will go to 10 times. By that process, you may end up with 10 times the original amount. So in other words, you, you only deposited, let's say, $1,000, but in the end, you end up with 10,000. So in effect, they, 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 it's the multiply effect. They literally create some money in a way. They don't print it, they create it by just extending the loans to each other. And this is how the economy works because the, the financial service sector is incredibly important, very important. And if you don't manage it properly, if you don't have effective and good policies, you are not going to, your economy may not go anywhere. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that the other banks, like you had Scotia, you had Barclays, you have SBIB, you have Royal Bank. They are branches, branches of a larger bank in the international community. Now, these banks were basically, I don't think their, their first priority was to develop Dominica per se. Their first priority was to facilitate imports from their countries into Dominica. Or sometimes if they give assistance, then their banks were there to capture that money and return it to whichever country it came from. The, the Canadians gave us a lot of assistance, the British gave us, so their banks were there to capture that. The other thing I feel though is that because our banks don't seem to have or the powers that be don't put emphasis on the financial services sector. We seem to be there just to facilitate aid or the recipients of aid or the depository for aids received from countries rather than for promoting trade. And I think that is uh, one of the greatest problems that we have. The other thing that we I think that that is not very understood properly in Dominica, is that the National Bank of Dominica as an independent, fully fledged commercial bank, it's its own entity by itself. It is not a branch of anything. The branch at Portsmouth or at Canefield are branches of the bank, but the bank itself, the bank itself is a fully fledged commercial entity. It's tasked to facilitate development, 
it has to facilitate the growth, not only the development of the but of people as well. And I think the, the problem, one of the problems that we have, we appoint boards that basically don't have basic banking knowledge. I mean, you could do that. Yes, you could put a farmer on the board, you could, but the chairman of the bank should always be, in my view, either a retired banker or an experienced person who has knowledge of finance, economics, accounting. You must have these kinds of knowledge and experiences. Because yeah, if you- thank, Yes, you thank, know, you, Mr. thank you, Mr. Robinson. Um, yeah. Anyone else wants to chime in? Yes, yes, Simon, if I could, one of the things I, I, I wish to add as well uh, to the whole idea or the whole concept of banking is that it is based on trust in the sense that as individuals, we have the faith or the belief that when we surrender our hard-earned cash into the banking system, that when we are ready for this cash, we can get it back. So there mm -hmm. is an element of trust that people basically surrender their wealth to an entity that we call a bank. And the bank then goes on to lend these monies to other people and create the, the money multiplier effect that was so well described by Louis in the sense that they use whatever is put in there to give up. Now, once this confidence is gone, once people start to lose confidence in the banking system, then they begin to withdraw their, their, their monies. And if enough people withdraw their savings from the banking system, we have what is called a run on the bank, and ultimately the banking system itself can collapse. So this whole issue of, of confidence and faith in the banking system is critical for the long-term survival of the banking system. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Uh, Mr. Corbett, you wanted to jump in? You're muted. Can you hear us? You're muted. Oh, yes, Juliet, there uh, you go. Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, go ahead. Hi. Yeah. Okay, um, I, I don't want to belabor what was said previously, but uh, if you recall years ago, we used to have what we call a sub, a seat to start, mm -hmm. where uh, the access to banking was extremely difficult. So people used to get together, there was a group of 10 and say, okay, they want to buy a fridge. They decide I want to take two hands, four or five weeks later, they buy the fridge. It seems to me that that's coming back in Dominica because the poor people can't, don't have access to banking anymore. They buy to have more. And then the advent of the credit union, I thought that the credit union will start to play the role that was missing in the, for the, the, the small minority enterprise and poor people. But today the credit has become so big, they are now competing with commercial banks. And that is the issue right now. The access to banking, particularly to credit, has become extremely difficult in, the, in Dominica. And banks are arguing now, uh, although there's extreme liquidity within the banking system and the borrowers do not have um, collateral and whatnot. Talk about that a little bit later. 
the advent of, of the partial credit guarantee that they've got here in the written. That's supposed to be doing all that is written. Um, so by and large, the banking industry is suffering because the banks have now moved away from servicing the needs of the people as opposed to what they claim to be protecting depositors. Um, a banker told me recently, well, um, Dominicans have become um, slaves to savings. They do not invest anymore, they want to save. So that's what they do. So they, that's what their slave mentality in saving because, and I asked the question, well, what type of instruments, what, what is there? What else are you creating so that they could avoid um, placing the money and getting one and a half percent or one percent per, per annum on interest? So by and large, uh, the access to credit is very difficult and, they, and, and we should be able to do something about it. And we'll talk about it later on as we go along. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Lando, over to you. You're muted. What I intend to do in my submission tonight is to take a bit of an external view mm -hmm. of the banking system. Right. Uh, we've got two very competent guys, Mr. Lee Robinson and Mr. Julius Corbett, who spent significant time in managing the banking system. We should talk about the internal view. But I would want to look at the bigger picture, look at it from the economic perspective. Before mm -hmm. that, Miss Matthew, I'm very happy to see you. I have not seen you for so long. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I know your, your family very well. and the Willie Cat. I will fall from a house. I will fall from a tree. Fall in love. Fall in love. I must fall I in must, love you. I must fall in love with you. Make up to your, to your mother. Yeah, Willie and the Willie Cat. Yeah, she says hi. <laughs> a beautiful reunion. The National Commercial Development Bank of Dominica was established by Act Number 27 of 1976. It became functional in March 1978. And it was due to the vision of Honorable Vic Rivière. Vic Rivière had a, a vision how he could get involved in commercial and development banking to compete with Royal Bank and the Barclays Bank. These were the elitist banks in Dominica. Somewhere in 1982, the 8th Bank was formed. The 8th Bank was removed from the National Bank, and the 8th Bank specialized in developing aid to institutions. At this critical point in time, we had a very vibrant economy. We had export crops. We had bananas. Our tourism was just about there. Our manufacturing was doing very well. And because of the vibrancy of the economy, the commercial banks were doing well. The profitable operations of the banking sector is a function of a buoyant economy. What has happened in the recent past? We've seen a stagnation of the Dominican economy over an extended period of time. We don't have a main export crop since after bananas. Tourism is struggling. Yes, we're spending some CDI money in building certain facilities, but the access, be it the air access or the sea access, has been very deficient. Manufacturing also has taken a blow. Bello, brewery and beverages, Benjosimov. We've been seeing those areas deteriorating. 
and consequently, it is creating a problem for the commercial banking sector. When we look at the main contributor to the GDP, we look at agriculture. Agriculture is a main contributor to the GDP. However, we've got a major Haitian presence in our agricultural industry. And consequently, the resources that are generated from agriculture are filtered away out of Dominica into Haiti. The other major area that they look at is construction. Who's doing construction now in Dominica? Mm -hmm. The Chinese, the Haitians, the Jamaicans, the Lucians, the Trinis. So with all the activities those monies are not being filtered and involved in the banking system. We look at the wholesale and retail trade. What have recently in that area? The Chinese have taken over Rozo. So we, we've got a group of persons, be they be Chinese, be they be Haitians, be they other foreigners, who are not involving the development of the banking system. And consequently, the banking system is under a lot of stress. There's a minimal demand for banking services. And consequently, we've seen certain banks under a lot of stress. We saw the Royal Bank recently. The Royal Bank was bought over by National Bank. Uh, the last financial statements are from the National Bank is 2020. Royal Bank was bought towards the end of 2020. 2021 is not out as yet. So I'm seeing the impact of Royal Bank on our National Bank. We saw a situation where the Scotia Bank was bought over by the Republic Bank, which was very, a very good initiative. We saw a consolidation, very important, a consolidation of the credit union. If there was not that consolidation of the credit union, I can safely say that credit unions in their still areas would have evaporated. So this is an area that we need to acknowledge and applaud for the consolidation of credit unions. We are seeing a situation in Dominica where there's a lot of cash activity, starting from the areas where Mr. Chavez was making a lot of money available to Dominica, currently with CBI, where we're having a lot of activities happening in Dominica on a cash basis. And consequently, the services and the expertise of the commercial banks are not being employed. Consequently, the commercial banks are under a lot of pressure. And here comes the discussion about the National Bank considering taking over the First Caribbean, or what is called the Barclays Bank. This is my first submission. Yes, excellent, excellent points. Thank you so much for that. And I want to stay on two of the very important points that you made, Ronald, the lack of economic um, activity with Dominicans, that there's so many other nationalities that have their hands in the, the economics of Dominica and the money is not necessarily um, circulated in Dominica. It's being siphoned off to other parts of the world. So I think that is an excellent point. And I wanna hear the rest of the panel's view on that. And the fact that so many, so much of the activity now, the economic activity are cash um, transactions. 
So I think that you've, you've raised many um, very important points, and I want to go over to the rest of the, the, the panel for their thoughts on that. Thompson, you want to jump in? Yeah, I want to jump in, and particularly before the two bankers there, because one of the, one of the critical issues that um, the banks do, one of the things that the banks do, is as, as you said earlier, they take the, they take the deposits and then they unlend. So banks generally make the money by unlending. Okay, they give loans, people pay interest, and that's how they make their, their their money. What you would have noticed lately in Dominica is that the banking fees are going up. The banking fees are increasing. So, for example, if you have it, if people with very low um, savings, we may realize that every month something is coming out of those savings. And part of the reason for this is because the banks are not lending as much. So they're not taking as much revenues from loans. Therefore, they have to pay staff. They have other expenses that they have to meet. And therefore, they are pushing the increased charges. So we will see more of that as we go forward, as long as the banks are not able. And that happens where you have an economy that is not functioning, as the Dominican economy is not. Dominican economy is, is completely, almost completely dead. As, as Ron said, a lot of cash transactions. There is not a lot of, of, of money definitely going into the bank, not a lot of loans coming out, not a lot of building activity. You know, there is some, but not a lot. And because of that, because of the fact that the economy is doing so poorly, then you're going to have this knock-on effects. You're going to have those impacts on the banking system. And just to add as well, in terms of the National Bank assuming the liabilities of the of the um, first Caribbean bank that's probably a good thing because if that had happened the national bank would now control 70 percent of the banking space in dominica uh, so so that you would you would probably say that is too much for one bank to have control over mm -hmm. yes let's go over to our bankers um julius you have some comments you want to add uh, yeah. absolutely uh first of all um, um, Lando, when you said no economic activity taking place, one of the role of the bank is to create that activity. You understand? So why is that not happening? The banks have to just as to be of their pushing. From what I understand right now is that the banks are not pushing because the entrepreneurs are without collateral. And therefore, what the bankers are saying, there are no bankable projects per se, but that is not true. There are bankable projects. The question is that who is going to provide for these entrepreneurs? Party enterprises, okay? Now, it is my understanding that the governments of the islands, about six or so, have joined together and formed what they call a partial credit guarantee. Where if the borrower, the bank's lending requirement, the guarantor comes in. And the guarantor would then secure that, that guarantee either through cash or some underlying collateral. In Dominica's case, 
It's got a lot of money hiding around the government, supposed to be able to be out there using the cash, the excessive cash that is being held offshore to create bulk money should not be able to get funds. The, 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 there is funds available to provide that collateral. You cannot be asking the entrepreneurs to put 20% to throw it they don't have the equity. And at the same time, you're, you're making it to them without the equity. How, do you, how can you generate the how can you push the car? So you've got to get to, to start. There is excessive liquidity within the banking system. It's the first time in the history of the OECS and then Dominica. There's so much funds available. If you look at the banks, they all have a lot of money, yet they're not lending the funds. Why not do that? Because the governments are not pushing. Now, I understand. Two weeks ago, that Mia Motley came out and she was arguing that if the banks do not do something about access credit, she's going to sit to use all this funds that's been held option and bring it back so you can protect them, landlords. You understand what I mean, Louis? These are the issues that are at hand. That you, we must call, we must create the collateral arrangement. So the small, so if you have a, if you want to have, let's say, um, a healthcare business, you want to go there, you don't have the collateral, but you got the idea. So we need you to be able to develop that idea. And there's collateral out there, Thompson. There's funds available. Send kits. You know what they did? What you know the government thinking did? They put up two million dollars to capitalize, to help capitalize the the, the, the partial credit guarantee. Twelve million dollars to capitalize that organization. I was looking at the the, the report. I'm not seeing anywhere where this this partial credit guarantee have actually used the guarantee. The World Bank gave ten million dollars. Borrow the funds, they use part of their CBI funds to help capitalize that. So there is funds available. The question is how do you how do you redeploy this money within the economy? Mm -hmm. And that's probably something that you in, in, in the regions can probably tell us a little more about. Yes, and that's a good question for you, Mr. Robinson, as well. But as I, as I come to you for your thoughts, I think one of the points you made to me when we spoke as well is the lack of investment opportunities uh, from, you know, in the banks and, and just simply the reliance on, on loans. And we also have seen a, a very great re reliance on cash. So let us talk about why that is important. You're muted. You're muted, Mr. Robinson. Oh, I think he's muted. We can't hear you. Okay. Oh, there we go. Yes, you're on. Uh oh, we still can't hear you. <laughs> Let's try again. Uh, yes. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. I was saying, uh, you get out of my head because I was thinking along those lines. As, as mm -hmm. she was talking, I was thinking, 
one of the things as as you reminded me is the lack of investment opportunities basically and the other thing is the cash the amount of cash transactions which are being mainly conducted by the government now this is of concern to probably your correspondent bank the international community why is it that you are dealing purely in cash is is there a reason why basically you, you know that there, there, there's all this cash in the economy i mean whatever job is being done the construction mainly is government building hotels and giving people money to build hotels and these sort of stuff but when it comes to real economic activity or the agricultural sector the manufacturing sector the entertainment sector even the tourism sector well they're building these hotels but when you have built the hotels and you bring the tourists in what else is there for the tourists to remain here or beaches are not properly kept or rivers are disappearing we don't have a forest per se that people for example the trail which was meant to cross from scotchet to capuchin which would probably should be a good tourist um attraction that is not functioning the other thing is that somebody mentioned these industries that went out and and i think julius mentioned the fact that the bank has to um create the opportunity why should dcp why would should dcp have less why should kubuli have less why should coke have less why should these people have less i will give you an example when i was at the national bank um i remember when i came on board the kubuli was on the verge of extinction at one point in time the same gentleman who managed harry spinks managed kubuli at the same time that is to tell you how kubuli was i went to the factory because i knew the manager he was a friend of mine for a very long time i went to him and i said how can we help he said he said are you crazy nobody in the banking industry has ever come to this factory what do you know there i said you know i i, I want to help because it's a local product it employs local people we turned the money turned around in the economy we export the product so we started talking and i said well heineken has reduced the size of their beer bottle but yours remain the same i will drink about five heineken but i can only drink three kubuli he said well i need about 5 6 million dollars to seal and this kind of stuff he has gone to the bank nobody will lend him i said look give me a proposal and how much you want and i he said no they won't give it to you i said give me the proposal he gave me the proposal for 5 or 6 million i think it was 5 million he wanted and luckily we had persons on the board like um, mr colin bibi uh mr norman rose mr frank baron and i think they understood when the proposal went because there was opposition but when the proposal went 
they were the ones who basically added strength to the proposal. In a, within a one year, Kubuyi had come out of the red and were in the black. And they came back later and they said, look, this is our position right now. We owe the government 1.6 million in taxes, but they will take a million, but we don't have the million to give them right now. Could you help again? I said, sure, I tried. And again, the board changed. They were able to put $600,000 back into their profit immediately. Take it out of the, the, the provision to, to pay this, this tax debt. And so Kubuyi stayed. After the Erica, the first thing the prime minister says, oh, well, he will not be extending any concessions. Is to pay more now. Mm -hmm. And so Kubuli again, after Maria now, factory went in, they couldn't get, they moved out. <laughs> now, where were the banks? Well, I didn't expect Scotia or Royal or CIG to go and do anything. It wasn't coming from Canada. It wasn't coming from the United Kingdom. It's a local product, local development. But I expected the national banks to go out there and ask the people, what can we do? How can we help? What is it you need? Okay. Instead, but the government now, while they were not going to extend any concessions, were able to give $6 million to one of the passport sellers to go and make bar soap. Now, since 1980, the Dominicans have been making powder or liquid soap. People don't wash in the river anymore. People use washing machines. Can you put bar soap in a washing machine? But this is a sort of lack of the opportunity. And when we talked about the credit union, I recall certain persons who were mad at me when I said to the government, the credit union movement has gone past what its initial purpose. It is now a fully-fledged commercial financial entity. Therefore, I don't think the cooperative division has the capacity to oversee or regulate that sector anymore. So therefore, it should come under the F, under the, the, the finance financial services in the ministry. People were mad at me because the government did do just that, and they were telling people, "Well, government wants us to take your money." But this is the sort of thing. And also, uh, um, Brother Lander there mentioned the FIU. Now I recall when the the government changed in two thousand. Um, somewhere down around May or June around there, the then Prime Minister, Sir Rosie Douglas, met me one day and he said, look, we are on the blacklist and I want you to prepare, do something for us to get off the blacklist. I give you two weeks to prepare the, to give me something. I'm going out when I come back, you must have it. Mr. Robinson, yes. it's a negative list. It's a negative list. It's a blacklist. Everything well, black. It's a at the time, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but that's what it was called at the time. <laughs> anyway, so I, I, I did prepare this stuff. 
And within a week, he's somewhere in, in New York, and he calls and he wants a draft, which I had. I don't know. I, I had a draft ready, so I sent it to him. And the whole idea of the financial intelligence unit was to function in absence of what I had initially proposed to the government, was to set up your own supervisory and oversight arrangement. And you can do examination of these institutions separately or jointly with the ECCB. And you could do that by, first of all, getting the funding by one of these international organizations for about five years, the initial five years, at which time, when you go to visit or examine these entities, you charge them so much per hour per examiner so you can build up some funds so you wouldn't have to rely on the consolidated funds for financing that entity. Mm -hmm. That was the original idea. So the slip up was instead of going through this, the embassy to the State Department to uh, require the assistance, they went straight to the um, DEA. Department don't cannot extend aid or that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You go to the, the State Department via your embassy, and then they will direct which agency to provide the assistance. Right, right. And I think, Mr. Robinson, you're making some really great points, and I want to thank you for that. But I want us to take a closer look at why the international banks, because I just find it incredible incredible that now we have not one international bank in Dominica. So Ronald and um, Mr. Kovat, I want to come over to you guys for that one. And then Thompson, I want you to um, speak with us about the, the role of the CBI, the role of potential money laundering in the region, and, and all the, the, the importance that that may, may play in what we're seeing in terms of the banking system. But before we do, uh, we're coming up on the 9, uh, 9 p.m. hour. DJ Shan, if you're still with us, uh, we would like to run the phone numbers for anyone who would like to call in and make a contribution. And we're going to just jump on the Facebook Live while everyone on the panel kind of rest your voice for just a minute before we come back to you and see what our comments are on Facebook. So DJ Chan again, if you're still with us, uh, we would need for the phone numbers to be called out so that our callers can join us. So Dorian, blessed night, greetings to all. I'm waiting to hear some good vibes. Thank you for being here. Uh, Dorian, Augustina, good evening, everyone. Uh, Antoria, Canada is locked in. Thank you for being here. Tina again, thank you for being here. Um, Hermanila Watson, thank you again for being here. Uh, Owen you are listening to Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. If you live in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., and are looking for Dominica products including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts, and other popular Dominica items, then look no further. You can now shop on buydominicaonline.com, a secure, easy-to-navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica-made and Dominica-inspired products. When you shop on buydominicaonline.com, you are helping to grow Dominica's economy. Go to buydominicaonline.com and enjoy home away from home. This was a portion of a discussion 
that we had on the topic of why are the international banks live in Dominica and the Caribbean region. And I think that we are duly concerned about this because I'm not sure about you, but I personally have had the experience where an international money transfer that I was accustomed to doing took about a month to um, transact. And unfortunately, it got to the point where it had to be simply returned to my Bank of America account here because, again, we're experiencing a lot of difficulty with the banking system in Dominica because of those severed relationships between the international banks and Dominica. So absolutely a point of concern for many of us in the Caribbean. And now that we're seeing First Caribbean Bank exiting Dominica, again, even more concerned there. So again, don't forget, this was a portion of the interview. And if you would like to see the entire discussion, the video as well as the audio of the entire discussion we had on this topic, you can head on over to pushpast10.com, P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T-1-0.com and click on the featured video option to be able to see and just enjoy the entire discussion. And as we continue along the program, oh, before I forget, while you're on Push Past 10, you also want to check out our YouTube link, which takes you to all the Facebook and YouTube uh, Facebook lives that we've done along the way. So if you missed anything along the way, you can always check it out there, as well as uh, clicking on the missed an episode option that will give you an option to any of our past episodes of untapped potential you may have missed along the way. So again, pushpast10.com for all the information that you need about the program, as well as any missed videos, any missed um, episodes of the program that you may have missed along the way. So at the beginning of the program, we talked about how we're now moving into fall. I'm sure everyone is kind of happy and elated that the hot summer days are slowly moving into the review mirror, right? <laughs> so I think we're all happy to see those summer days finally coming to a close and you we've even had some power outages here in McDonough, Georgia, which is not very common. So that only speaks to how incredibly hot this summer was, and that speaks as well to the climate changes that we're witnessing in the world in general. So a very hot summer this summer, and we are happy to see those hot summer days in our review mirror as we look ahead to the cooler fall weather. And so I would, I thought we would go ahead and again talk about our goals because that is the aim of this program. How do we remain consistent with our goals? And so I found this article on a website called lifegoalsmag.com. So again, L-I-F-E-G-O-A-L-S-M-A-G.com, lifegoalsmag.com. And it talks about all about just keeping those goals in mind as we move into the fall session, the fall months of the year, and we quickly come to the end of the year. So a very good article, and I will go ahead and share some of what the article discusses so you can get a sense 
of what we are referring to. So it starts off by saying, you know, she gives some other detail in the beginning, but I will just start at the point where she says, so today I'm sharing three simple steps you can take to set and accomplish your goals this fall. So step number one, turn over a new leaf get it it's fall so we're turning over a new leaf okay all right that was a kind of corny joke but anyway uh there's nothing more beautiful than a fresh start we get to reset our old ways of thinking and behaving and choose new ones that that will serve us better for instance, I've never been good with keeping my new year resolution. And with only 9% of people accomplishing this, it looks like I'm not alone. Miraculously though, I've always followed up on my autumn goal. What I do is I get up early, stand on the balcony and watch the leaves fall. I breathe the crisp October air and let the morning sun warm up my face. Then I sit down with a cup of tea, write in my gratitude journal and set the goals for the day ahead. So I'd like you to try turning over a new leaf this fall. Buy a pretty notebook and write down the, the ways you'd like to improve in the next two to three months. Start a new page for each week and outline the goals you'd like to achieve. Then add the ways you will reward yourself and how you'll have fun. For me, if I meet my weekly goal work quota, I treat myself to something nice like a new lipstick, a piece of cheesecake, tickets to a concert, or fancy dinner out. And this system works because not only you create new habits, but also reinforce them by congratulating yourself for a job well done. So then she goes on to say, step number two, start small and grow from there. I am certainly a fan of step number two, start small and grow from there. The main reason why so many people fail at their new year resolution is because their goals are unrealistic. Setting goals that are too far flung leads to overwhelm and disappointment. And that's where we give up. So instead of planning the entire year in detail, set realistic tasks for the week ahead of you. Then expand onto monthly and ultimately seasonal goals. You can easily do this at the beginning of every season. Once you've accomplished your fall goals, move on to the winter ones. You'll notice they're less scary and easier to tackle if you divide them first and then conquer them. So I think you can agree that this is all very good information. Just some simple tips to help us to remain consistent as the end of the year is quickly approaching. So the third option that she recommends is take it easy. I used to feel incredibly guilty when it came to making time for myself. I confused it with being unproductive. So I spent my extra time catching up on work. Hmm, sounds familiar to you? 
And if you're anything like me, you know it just doesn't work that way. No matter how passionate we are about something, we need to recharge and take it easy. So I set an intention to make a plan for self-care and followed it to the T. Not only was I more productive, but also happier, more relaxed, and more balanced. I make sure to add at least one item on my daily to-do list that's unrelated to work. For example, if I know I have a fully booked week ahead of me, I'll set a goal to take a long bubble bath or get a massage. Another option is going for a long walk. Be mindful about your surroundings, the colors of the sky, the falling leaves, chilly air, and the smell of your takeaway coffee. So a really good article on how we can work towards those fall goals as we continue to turn over a new lid. That was step number one. Then she talked about the importance of starting small and growing from there. And finally, take it easy. So again, lifegoalsmag.com is the name of that website. And I'm happy that we're having this conversation today because this being the Labor Day uh, weekend, we just went through the Labor Day weekend holiday. I thought it was very important to just take a break. You know, I think many of us who are high achievers, we think that every single second of every day has to be set, spent on something productive. And ultimately what that leads to is burnout, right? So as you know, I do several programs and many times I have uh, two Facebook live programs every week. So I made a very conscious effort for the last two weeks, last week and this week, to have absolutely no Facebook lives. Well, this week I might have to change that because we have some things going on that we probably need to address. But at least for last week, I had no Facebook live programs. And I think many times we confuse self-care and relaxation with being lazy. Because if I catch myself on the couch trying to enjoy a movie for maybe an hour or two, I am constantly thinking, oh my gosh, what more productive <laughs> could I be doing right now? But the important thing is that we have to learn to be still. We have to learn to find a moment to relax and decompress because what that does is it energizes us to come back to be able to do the work that we are passionate about. So I hope that you found the information helpful. I always look forward to our time right here on Untapped Potential to get energized and powered up for the week ahead. So I hope that you will come back next week, same time, same place, uh, 5.30 Eastern Standard Time, right here on TVN Radio for another great discussion, some good music, a tip of the week, and our featured video of the week as we get energized and powered up for the week ahead and we remind ourselves of the important life goals that we have set out for ourselves. So it is not too late. We still have a few months in the year to go. So there's still time to make some strides 
on those goals. So again, I am Simone Matthew, and you've been listening to Untapped Potential right here on TBN Radio. So don't forget your life story is your strength. Remember to tap into your potential each and every day and every week, every month, every year. Remember to stay strong, stay positive, stay active, and stay engaged until we meet again right here on TBN Radio. You have